1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Walked in the tying run. And once again, the Yankees have answered back. It's 4-4. Two singles and two bases on balls for Ginkle in a wild eighth inning. Still more balls than strikes. In the air, left center, Corbin Carroll. Wells at third. Here he comes. And the Yankees have come back to take a 5-4 lead. Back to the mound, and the Yankees steal the finale, and they take the series. Diamondbacks had leads of 2-0, 3-2, and 4-3 in the eighth, but they lose it 6-4, and this one stings. For opportunities to contribute, just two carries in the young season. Fake it to Burrow on the move, lofting down. Fielder Chase has got it! Jamar Chase has arrived, finally as a playmaker in 2023. Mixon makes a cut. Joe Mixon! Tonight's first touchdown, and the Bengals go on top. Just got it away. Hurts. Good protection. Time runs out. Touchdown, Zacchaeus. Hurts. Chuck it in. No signal. He's in. Touchdown, Philadelphia. But in order for him to get on the field, as you said, with Dwayne Brown at left tackle, he had to move to the right side. Here's one picked over the middle and intercepted. That's Milano. And Matt Milano is going to draw a flag as he got in the face of Zach Wilson. The 1-0 is hit high into the air, deep right center field. Walsh going back to the track at the wall. It's gone. Second row of seats above the high wall in right center. Touch them all, Adolis Garcia, his 37th home run of the year, has tied this one up at one. Assuming that he's the starter, which is dangerous. There's a swing and there's a drive well hit to right center field, but Adolis is right there, says he has it, and he does, and the game is over. And the Rangers' magic number for clinching the West is down to four. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Tuesday, September 26th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7, the Diamondbacks, will they hold on and be a wild card team? The Rangers, the Rangers, the Bengals, excuse me, the Rangers will be in a minute. Uh, the Bengals, did they turn around their season by beating the Rams? The Eagles, were you impressed on Monday night? The Jets, does Zach Wilson need to be replaced? AL, the AL, AL West, the Rangers, here we go, the Rangers, are they a postseason threat? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 
9.15, our weekly fantasy football update and waiver wire preview and suggestions from John McKechnie from rotowire.com. 9.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That will include the analysis of the Diamondbacks' bad Monday loss at Yankee Stadium. Then the final segment of the sports zone will be the national roundup topped by from the NFL Monday night football scoreboard, doubleheader night again last night. Right now, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And as always, or most of the time, we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, will the Diamondbacks hold on and reach the postseason? And Corey is here and has the early returns. All right, split right now, 50-50 on KDUS1060.com. Okay, I like the 50-50 splits because usually that means it's a pretty good question. Uh, Arizona allowed four runs in the Yankees' final two at-bats on Monday in the 6-4 loss at Yankee Stadium. The Diamondbacks are tied with the Cubs for the final two wild-card playoff spots, but the Diamondbacks do have the tiebreaker against the Cubs if it comes down to that. While the Diamondbacks and Cubs are one game ahead on the Marlins, who are currently on the outside looking in. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question did the Bengals turn their season around during the second half in the win against the Rams? And once again, Corey has early returns. I'm guessing this is not 50-50. Uh, no, as far as you can get here, 100% on no <laughs> at KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. Yeah, I kind of thought this was a bad question. I came up with it, quite frankly. Uh, Cincinnati did avoid starting 0-3, and three, and just for the record... Of the last 251 teams that started 0-3, and three, only three of them, three of 251, made the playoffs. The Eagles won the other game last night. Jalen Hurts has now won 20 of his last 21 regular season starts, while the Buccaneers uh, quarterback Baker Mayfield still has not won three consecutive starts since 2021. Were you impressed with the Eagles' 25-11 win at Tampa Bay? Meanwhile, the Jets are sticking with Zach Wilson. Robert Sala said on Monday that Wilson is for sure the Jets' starting quarterback. Uh, Sala was less than convincing after the Sunday loss to the Patriots. Should the Jets be staying with Zach Wilson for at least one more week? Meanwhile, switching to the American League West, uh, the Rangers after beating the Angels last night, lead the division by two and a half games with six days remaining in the regular season. Are the Rangers a threat in the postseason? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That is the pipeline for today with all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Uh, basically, the only rules, accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this.
Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by our weekly fantasy football update, including waiver wire thoughts from John McKechnie of rotowire.com. Uh, once again, at the bottom of the hour to be phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060, plus, of course, the local roundup at the bottom of the hour. That'll be topped by the Diamondbacks' bad loss on Monday at Yankee Stadium. Time pending, we'll get to some uh, Cardinals, ASU, and U of A football, a couple of injury updates, uh, for one for the Cardinals and one for the U of A, and uh, kind of one for the U of A. They're kind of tight-lipped, as are most colleges about injuries, especially early in the week, and that's the case for the U of A in that case. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. All right. Lopping along here on my uh, desktop. Uh, a little countertop here on my desk. To a little Tom Petty action here. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. You're home of the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. Time for our weekly fantasy football segment on this waiver wire, at least for many, waiver wire Tuesday. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the Sports Zone by John McKechnie of rotowire.com. And John, always good to talk to you. Let's start with Monday night, the Eagles winning at Tampa. The Bengals showing some offense in the second half against the Rams. Did we really learn anything from those two games that we can apply in the fantasy realm moving forward? Um, let, let's see here. So it, it appears that the Buccaneers, uh, their inability to run the ball isn't going away. And it's actually been kind of a franchise-wise trend since the days of Warwick Dunn. I believe they the, the fewest rushing yards of any team in the, in the league. Yeah, exactly, since the early 2000s. So they they just don't really seem interested in running the ball. Um, but, you know, as far as the, the Bucks offense, you know, it, it is pretty predictable. Uh, you get Mike Evans, you get Chris Godwin, every, everything else is, is pretty fringe. Um, on the Eagles side of, of the ledger, I felt like DeAndre Swift looked excellent once again yeah. last night. I, I, th- I think that the, the hand-wringing over uh, week one and, and all the, the reported – uh, love of Kenneth Gainwell in, in that locker room. That's all well and good, but Swift is clearly the best talent that they have in that backfield running behind one of the best offensive lines in football. So if you scoop Swift in the eighth, you're, you're standing in line for, for a pretty nice profit off of that. Um, Got to be concerned with, with the T. Higgins performance last night. Left and went to the locker room after some abysmal uh, drops on, on his part. Jamar Chase looked, looked good, so all, all the concern after the first two weeks uh, looks like that that is assuaged at least for now. And the Rams, uh, Kyron Williams, literally owned the backfield last night. 55 snaps for him, uh, not a single one for for the rest of the Rams running back. So your speculative ads on, on Zach Evans and and, uh, and Ronnie Rivers, uh, they may not be paying off anytime soon. Don't think so. 55 and zero for everybody else is pretty. Uh... You know, pretty concrete. There you go. All right, so let's continue with the running back theme here. Uh, who tops the waiver wire list for the running backs in the, the next few hours here? 
Um, so I, I think Devin A. Chain or A. Chan, as he clarified on, on Monday, Correct. Uh, if, yeah. <laughs> if, if he's available anywhere, I, I, it's hard to imagine him being available in 12 teamers, but in 10 teamers, he should still be out there on a, on a decent percentage of waiver wires. And he clearly is the, the pickup this week at the running back position. Uh, just an explosive talent. Uh, amazing during his time at Texas A&M has legit track speed and, and a track background, but he's not just a track athlete that plays football. He's a football player with track speed. That's an important distinction to make. Otherwise you run into an Anthony Schwartz uh, type of situation. Um, but beyond, beyond him, um, I, I think with, with Gus Edwards uh, leaving with a concussion, we'll have to monitor what Justice Hill's status is. But if, if you're really uh, hurting for a running back, I, I think you could do worse right now than, than Kenyon Drake. I, I would imagine that he would have a role, him or uh, Melvin Gordon, uh, for, for that Baltimore backfield as they, as they go into action against the Browns. And then beyond that, uh, Elijah Mitchell – uh, if he's still around, he's not getting a ton of work. But, you know, if, if the 49ers are going to continue to play in these blowout type of setups, they're not going to expose Christian McCaffrey to a ton. So Elijah Mitchell might have that, that garbage time um, appeal to him. And Rico Dowdle, I thought, looked uh, pretty solid on, on Sunday, despite that was not being a, a great game from the Cowboys. So that, those are those are my uh, running back means for this he made some really nice run. I was, at, I was obviously at that game, but, uh, you know, I was impressed with Dowdle for sure. All right, Josh Jacobs, he led the NFL in rushing last year. He has 92 yards in three games. Uh, might fantasy owners be interested in buying Jacobs low, or what do we do? Um, it, 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 obviously, it, it depends on, on what your backfield situation looks like. If you're someone that – lost Nick Chubb or lost J.K. Dobbins or, or was on the wrong side of some other uh, running back uh, best, uh, that, then Jacobs, I think, is definitely worth exploring as a buy-low option. Um, it's disappointing overall that, that the Raiders, I think, are dead last in the NFL um, in, in rushing thus far. Mm-hmm. Jacobs did look a little bit better this, this past weekend. It was obviously a, a, a blowout game. In Buffalo the previous week, but, but you know, 17 carries, that's good for 62 yards. Not great, but, you know, we, we can work with that. And, and games against the Chargers, the Packers, and the Patriots coming up, and then the Bears, this is a good stretch coming up for, for Josh Jacobs. So if, it, if, uh, if the Josh Jacobs manager in, in your league is a little bit tired of the returns that he's gotten thus far, uh, might be worth taking a gander. Okay, Ramondre Stevenson owners. Uh, should they be concerned about what appears to be maybe not a very good offensive line in New England and Zeke's role seems to be increasing? It, it does, but at the same time, you know, Stevenson still had 19 carries this, this past week, and it was against, you know, one of the best defenses in football. So obviously the returns weren't amazing, just 59 yards on those attempts. Uh, and only catching one of his four targets, I would imagine that that corrects. I mean, we saw last year that, that he was efficient as a pass catcher, so that should come back up. I understand the, um, you know, the hand-wringing over Zeke seeming to, uh, to you know, horn in on, on some of this rushing work, but I still think that Stevenson will end up giving uh, fancy managers like around a fifth-round, sixth-round type of return in terms of production, so he might not – end up hitting that ceiling where we drafted him at it as a third-round type of guy with, with the expectation of him being a, a true workhorse, uh, of which there, there just aren't that many anymore. 
Um, Zeke will continue to, to get his, his work there, but Stevenson still getting enough carry volume to where I'm, I'm not overly uh, freaking out yet. John McKechnie, rotowire.com, curling in the sports zone. A.J. Dillon, he might be the third Green Bay running back. Uh, should there be some maybe dropping of Dillon in non-deep legs at this point? In 10-teamers, I'm out on him. In, in 12-teamers, he's, he's definitely on the bench, um, and, and uh, he's probably one of my next cuts. Um, I, I've been so disappointed, so wrong about A.J. Dillon. I thought coming out, you know, he, he's 240 pounds that can run the 4-5, and that's that's going to be hard to tackle, and you, you get Lambo late in the season. Like that's going to be a guy that's uh, not very fun to tackle. But he, he for whatever reason, just doesn't really seem to leverage that, those physical uh, traits that he has into anything that, that's really actionable for fantasy. So once Aaron Jones is back in the mix, hopefully that'll be this week. Uh, Dylan will kind of re- revert to kind of a, a more of a depth. Uh, type of role and I, I thought you know there was some other interesting performances was it Patrick Taylor that was running well for for the Packers that this past yeah. Sunday I, I'd be I'd be moderately interested in him and in in a deeper uh, type of league I think he got reverted back to the practice squad but um, if, you, if you're in a 12 12 or 14 teamer with, with deeper benches I think that he's worth a, a speculative ad because Aaron Jones not the picture of durability and AJ Dillon has failed with his opportunities in Aaron Jones instead. Alexander Madison, 125 total yards on Sunday, but the Vikings, since we talked last Tuesday, have uh, added Cam Akers. Um, how do we proceed with that with Madison at this point? I think you're still starting him. You just need to reframe uh, your expectations. I think it, as opposed to being like a high-end RB2, he's more of a low-end RB2 or a flex consideration, but I think he's still someone uh, that you're putting into your starting lineup. I think the Vikings still have an explosive offense overall. They, they go to Carolina this, this week. I think that Madison should be in line for, for a solid outing here. I think people freaked out a little bit too much about the Thursday night game against the Eagles because everyone saw it. It was the only game on, of course, at, at the time. And, you know, eight carries for 28 yards is, is not uh, what, what his investors were, were hoping for. But, again, that was a tough matchup. Going up against Carolina, KC, and Chicago over the ne- next few weeks, that should help correct things. And, and frankly, I'm not overly – worried about Cam Akers. I think that he steps into a role, maybe eight to 10 carries, probably not helping a ton in the, in the, uh, in the passing game. Madison definitely competent enough in, in that regard to where he's probably not going to lose out too many uh, opportunities to, to Akers. Okay. Wide receivers. Who are you looking to add this week? Um, I think Josh Palmer stands out as the guy uh, coming into to draft season, and, and if you look at just general ADPs, Quentin Johnson was someone that's going in the eighth, ninth round, somewhere in that range where Josh Palmer, uh, undrafted or, you know, 15th, 16th, 17th round type of option. And, and as fun as it is to, to dream on, on rookies, and I, I'm certainly as guilty of that as anyone, um, it does feel like Quentin Johnson is a little bit raw right now. Um, we, you know, we had a similar issue with, with Traylon Burke last season um johnston i think has a little bit more downfield ability and i think that he can help replace that in due time but it's pretty clear to me right now that josh palmer is that next man up in this chargers receiving core and i think he's going to settle into a nice fantasy relevant role to where you can feel good about him as a wide receiver three or a flex moving forward and you know on the other side of the coin he's obviously already rostered but if you do have keenan allen that 
that looks like a potential league-winning type of uh, fantasy asset for for this year. I mean, we're we're talking ridiculous volume, and he's uh, increased his average depth of targets from 8.5 last year, which is bad, to 10.5, which is workable, especially when you're getting, you know, 15-plus targets a game. So I'm expecting him to continue to get peppered with targets, but but Palmer is a priority add for, for me this week. And Johnson, if I have him, uh, I'm I'm going to do my best to, to hang on because I think uh, you know come mid to late October somewhere like that maybe Johnson starts to show out a little bit. Tank Dell, if he's out there, he's an obvious ad, right? I, I would say so. Um, I, I, he makes no sense to me. I mean, he he's uh, basically <laughs> Tutu Atwell size. You know, they, there just aren't that many success stories of NFL receivers with, with those type of measurables, but Dell. Um, you know, d- despite, you know, what me kind of bagging on, on the physical traits there, I mean, he, he was an insanely productive player during his time at, at Houston. He's a shifty, athletic, fast type of, of receiver that, that clearly has the, some rapport with, with a fellow rookie, C.J. Stroud. I think I saw some reports that Stroud was, you know, going to the front office during draft weekend and saying, like, hey, wait, I like yeah. this Dell guy. Um, so that, that certainly bodes well. Um, I still think that Nico Collins is the number one guy there in Houston, but Robert Woods is a very flimsy wide receiver too, and you you expect him to kind of fade off into more of a reserve role as the season goes on. And Dell clearly seems that like that next guy up, and Houston just generally is an offense that you want to get some exposure to right now because they they, uh, they I think they're they're the league leaders in, in pass attempts and and uh, or right up there and. I think outside of, of this past weekend, most of the time they are going to be playing from, from well behind. And so C.J. Stroud is going to be putting the ball in the air 35, 40 times a week. You want to get some exposure to that. You mentioned Stroud is a you know, fellow Ohio State teammate back in the day, like last year back in the day. Jackson Smith and Jigba has nine catches for 57 yards in three games. Reason for concern or no big deal? I'm, I'm concerned. Um, I, I think that that's, a, that's an offense that might be coming back to earth a little bit. You know, last year was, was so ridiculous compared to expectations. It's not overly surprising that, that they're, you know, kind of uh, correcting a little bit right now. But Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, he's running a, a not so great amount of routes and he's not getting targeted on, on a ton of them. Uh, we, we've seen his targets fluctuate from five to six to three. And this past weekend against the Panthers, drawing only three targets in a game where you know the, the Seahawks pretty much were in command the, the entire way, that was disappointing. So I, I think this coming Monday night uh, in New York against the Giants is going to be very telling as to uh, your expectations for JSN moving forward because Seattle has that early bye week in week five. And, you know, it, it, you might be reaching a point where it's like I, I can't really justify – his roster spot if he's only going to give me two, three catches a week. Talking fantasy football with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. Okay, on to a couple of quarterbacks here. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was ineffective again and really wasn't even pressured that much by the Texans. Is it kind of time to consider selling Lawrence or, you know, reason for concern? No big deal here. I, uh, so I'm, I'm a tricky guy to ask this one because I'm, I'm such a huge Trevor believer, and, and obviously the last two weeks have been 
pretty disappointing for, from him. He did complete a, a high percentage of his passes this past weekend, but you know, not a ton to show for it. Just the seven yards per attempt with a touchdown and a pick against the Texans at home. Like we 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 need a little bit better than that for, from Trevor Lawrence. So I think he he now kind of as it stands is sort of like a QB ten to to fourteen, so a fringe starter. Um, in in most formats, but still someone that that you can justify starting. But you might have someone better uh, on your bench at at this stage, whether it is a Geno Smith or or a Kirk Cousins, uh, someone like that that that, um, you drafted a few rounds after Trevor Lawrence that that I think can help you in the interim until Lawrence gets things in here. But facing off against the Falcons at home this week, I do feel like this is one of those weeks where where Lawrence could, you know, start to um, pay off at, at what his draft day cost was. Okay, Justin Fields. Time for our seemingly already weekly question: of What what should fantasy owners do? Even though I think it's important to point out that the Bears' next opponent is Denver. So is this maybe put up or shut up week for Fields? Yeah, game of the week, right? This is this is amazing <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, the NFL schedule makers sometimes they get it right, um, but. <laughs> um, I, I think that, that, that Fields generally, um, I'm looking at benching him. Uh, I'm not looking at dropping him yet because if you remember last year, definitely struggled out of the gate and then, you know, turned into one of the best uh, fantasy assets set down the stretch and in the fantasy playoffs and everything like that. Of course, a lot of that was based on, on the rushing production. Hasn't been quite as willing as a runner this year when it was just the one rushing touchdown thus far. And I think just a shade under 100 total uh, rushing yards. So it, it's fair to be pretty pessimistic about what Fields has put out there because I think the Bears are just an abject disaster right now, a dumpster fire, however you want to put it. They, they are that. Um, but a, a, a game against Denver, I think, should help get him back, back into the into the fantasy fold here. But if he does not, then, then I think I'm benching him indefinitely. But I'm not dropping him if I don't have to. Jameis Winston, should Derek Carr owners be interested here? Um, I, I would, I would think so. Um, it, it's definitely a, t- a tough turn at, at quarterback, and, and uh, you know, if, if you do have a, a spot where you have an obvious drop to make, and you do have Derek Carr as someone that you're counting on to start, especially in, in two quarterback leagues, then as a fill-in, I think Winston absolutely qualifies. I think Andy Dalton to, to a similar extent in Carolina. Um, he does as well. He'll be facing off against the Vikings this weekend. Dalton looks, you know, he, he put up definitely fantasy relevant numbers this past weekend against Seattle in his first start. I don't think Bryce Young is going to be ready to go this Sunday. So th- those are the two kind of low end. Uh, if they have a pulse, if they have a starting job for, for this week, you, you should uh, go ahead and, and scoop them. Okay. I've been told I've been neglecting tight ends in our conversation. <laughs> yeah, there's good reason for good, good good reason for that most weeks. But Sam Laporte was a target machine at least last week against the Falcons. Can we trust the Lions to keep that up? Yes, I don't think that's going anywhere. I, except uh, um, Laporte was, was definitely one of the best tight end prospects in this class. They're obviously uh, replacing T.J. Hawkinson's production for, from the last few years. And you know, when you look at, at the Lions' offense generally. We're not going to have Jamison Williams back in, until week seven, and who even knows what what his role is going to look like yeah. once he once he returns. It, it seems like he he's not really helping himself in, in his case very much. So outside of Amon Ross St. Brown, 
Uh, Laporta, I, I think, is the second best pass catcher um, in, in that skill position group. I, I like Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond as kind of tertiary options that, that can, you know, move the chains or in, in um, Raymond's case, occasionally make, make that big downfield play. But as far as his moving the chains is concerned, Laporta is great at that. Um, we, we're starting to see it. And he's been, yeah, he's been absolutely effective through through the first three weeks. And, and rookies, especially among tight ends, tend to have the, the toughest learning curve, or tight end turn, tends to be the toughest position for rookies to have fantasy success. And Laporte is getting there. The, the Lions, their offense is definitely very pass-heavy, uh, and you can only put so much on, on, on Ross St. Brown. So I'm looking at Laporta having a nice share of those targets going forward. You can always count on those Iowa players to, to produce big when they get to the NFL, right? Just kidding. Well, it's tight ends. They've actually done a good job with tight ends. But other than that, uh, they should, maybe they should make some of their tight ends running backs at Iowa. So there we go. Okay. they got to figure something out. <laughs> I mean, I know Penn State's defense is good, but that was pathetic on Saturday night. Okay, John, good stuff as always. Tell people how to get a hold of your stuff and uh, you, you, you do more than just talk to me for a living on radio. It's true. I, I, I have a wet weekly guest spot on uh, Rotowire's Sirius XM show that, that usually comes Monday nights, but it kind of floats around. And then uh, I host the uh, Rotowire Face Football Podcast with Mario Puig every Thursday. We live stream that on Twitter and YouTube. And uh, we also do a Rotowire uh, sports betting podcast, an NFL focus. That's Nick Whalen and I. We also do that late in the week and, and uh, that, those are all available in your podcast feed wherever you get your pods uh, we're over there so just check out Rotowire and football and you will find me there alright John good stuff we'll look forward to talking to you next week thank you very much likewise thanks again alright next segment phone call time 602-260-1060 also today's local roundup that will include, at least at the start of the segment, the Diamondbacks lose another game in New York City. The good news is that's the last game they're going to play in New York City no matter what because, breaking news, the Yankees and the Mets aren't going to make the postseason. Uh, but, uh, whew, two trips to New York in the last three weeks, that has not gone well for Arizona. Also, phone call time, as I mentioned, 602-260-1060. General discussion. Feel free to interrupt if you'd like in the next segment. Not a problem. You are listening to The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Castlux HD2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. If you want to jump aboard, feel free to interrupt any time here. 602-260-1060. All right, on to the local roundup we go. The Diamondbacks went uh, just 2-5 and five this season in two trips to New York City. The Diamondbacks failed to – if they failed to reach the postseason, I think you can blame these five losses and seven games in September – uh, to the struggling New York teams. Uh, the bullpen allowed runs late in the game uh, and failed to produce with runners in scoring position or really runners on base yesterday. Those things really kind of throw those things together. They've contributed to many losses this season, and they were both a big problem during the Monday 5-4 to loss at Yankee Stadium. 
The Diamondbacks had just taken a 4-3 lead in the top of the eighth inning on Corbin Carroll's two-out single. That was his third hit of the game yesterday. Then in the bottom of the eighth inning, Kevin Ginkle, after he threw 28 pitches with Arizona leading 6-1 on Sunday, he pitched again on Monday and looked like he didn't have anything left in the tank. He retired, he being Ginkle, two of six hitters, single, single, walk, strikeout, bases loaded walk to tie the score at four, and then a sacrifice fly to give the Yankees a 5-4 lead. Ginkle threw 30 more pitches on Monday, so that's 58 pitches that he threw over two days. Ginkle finally removed in that game on Monday, and at that point, Miguel Castro allowed a single to stretch the Yankees' lead to 6-4. The bullpen also allowed a solo home run from Ryan Thompson in the seventh inning, so the bullpen allowed four runs in the Yankees' final two at-bats yesterday. Offensively, the Diamondbacks left 10 runners on base. Multiple times, they failed to increase their leads of 2-0, 3-2, and 4-3. The Diamondbacks today start the first of their final road series of the season on the south side of Chicago against the White Sox. The 60-96 and White Sox, because people are still probably blaming Tony La Russa for this. Uh, The scheduled pitching matchups the next three days are tonight at 440, Zach Davies, who's 2-5 and five with a 631 run average against Jose Arena, Arena, 0-6 uh, and six with a 727 run average. So hasn't been very often this year that Zach Davies has faced somebody with worse starting and numbers and pitching stats than him, but that happens today. Tomorrow at 110, it's Ryan Nelson, 7-8 with a 5.53-yard run average. Remember, he's been much better on the road than at home, though, so that's their pitching on the road. And uh, he will go against former Diamondbacks first-round draft pick Tukey Toussaint, who is 4-7 with a 5.10-yard run average. Then on Thursday at 110, it's Brandon Fott, who uh, was you know, pitched some home run derby. On uh, Friday night uh, at Yankee Stadium, he's going to pitch in a even not a. Actually, I think the I've been to both these both the parks in you know, Yankees, the current Yankee Stadium, and also in Chicago. I spent a lot of time going to White Sox games when I lived there. Uh, it's it's actually easier to hit home runs unless you're hitting the right field in Yankee Stadium. It's easier to hit home runs in Chicago than it is New York. Fought has been killed by the long ball all season. I believe it's 20 and 80 some innings this year. Well, he's two and nine with a 608 run average, whether he's home or away. He'll pitch on Thursday. At least that's the scheduled pitching matchup right now against TBA for the White Sox. After the series at Chicago, the Diamondbacks will finish the regular season with three games at home against the Astros, who were tremendous on the road and won again on the road last night. In fact, Houston at Seattle. The Diamondbacks. The only wild card contender that played on Monday. So, here are the updated wild card standings. Uh, Philadelphia is sitting at uh, six, uh, 87 and 69. Uh, you know, I don't think they've officially clinched a, uh, a playoff berth yet. I think they might. I think they do. If they win today, I think they do for sure. Because uh, there's only five days left in the season after today. Arizona is five games behind in the loss column, as is uh, you know, the as are the Cubs. They both have 82 wins and 74 losses on this season. Miami's sitting at 81 and 75. I guess the Reds still have a chance at 80 and 77. 
And this notion that the Padres were making a run last week is kind of, uh, I think, fallen by the wayside. They're sitting at 77 and 79. Yeah, I mean, they're five games out of the uh, you know wild card situation as of right now, being a wild card. So hopefully this San Diego thing just dies and goes away. Also in today's local roundup, the Cardinals are 14-point underdogs on the road on Sunday uh, it, uh, you know, against, uh, against the 3-0 and 49ers. Uh, Jonathan Gannon on Monday uh, indicated that Zayvon Collins' eye injury that he sustained in the su- Sunday victory against, uh, against the, uh, against the uh, Cowboys, that Collins, uh, he didn't think that, uh, you know, Collins, uh, Gannon, excuse me, did not think that uh, Collins would be out versus the 49ers. So we'll see what's going on with that. The Sun Devils are 12-point favorites, excuse me, underdogs, I should say, at 2-2 two and two Cal. They're both 2-2. Two and two. That's on uh, on uh, on Saturday afternoon, first road game for ASU this year, and the U of A 18-point home underdogs on Saturday night against four and zero Washington. Jed Fish indicated on Monday that uh, starting quarterback Jaden Delora, uh, he really didn't offer an injury update. Said it's an ankle issue, so that's about all we learned there. Also, they had several other injuries, the U of A and the win at Stanford, including Michael Wiley, the running back who left in the first quarter and did not return. But Fish did not offer anything, uh, any updates regarding those guys. Okay, quickly, Corey, where am I going here? George and Mesa. Hi, George. Appreciate it. I'm kind of up against it here, but what's up? Hey, Bob. Long time listener. Uh, we met many years ago to the ACU game. Give me your call. Say hello. I haven't talked to you for many years. Um, I'm calling to say that the Cowboys got hit in the mouth. They deserve to lose. Allowed 200 <laughs> yards rushing. Um, so I'm here reporting saying that even though we got beat up, I'm still here. Okay. Good to hear from you. I'm doing uh, okay? Yeah, I'm doing fantastic. I, I know we met at uh, Horse and how many years ago. I still follow yeah. you whenever I can. And, uh, you know, it's been a uh, I've been following you for many years. I always love to see you enjoy you and Kayla. So keep up the good work, man. Okay, I really appreciate all the dedication over the years. Thank you very much. Very nice. Of you. All right. All right. Thank Have you, a man. good one. Bye. Okay, good good to hear from you. All right. Long time since I heard from George. Excellent stuff there. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update uh, with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show. The spectacular one-hour extravaganza. Uh, well, the national roundup, and we'll start from the NFL scoreboard from last night. Just a few, I don't think, uh, startling observations. I don't think there was a whole lot of startling things that happened in those two games last night. But we'll get to a couple of things uh, that uh, you know certainly I think deserve uh, some attention. So we'll get to that and whatever else I can fit in during the final segment of today's one-hour extravaganza, as you might have heard previously. It's an accurate statement, so it's okay to be redundant if you're, like, accurate about it. If you're redundant and it's inaccurate, bad idea. It means you're wrong twice. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7.
And welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, our weekly Tuesday fantasy football segment with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. Uh, tomorrow at 9.15, we're actually going to do something. I've been doing talk radio since 1988. I don't ever remember doing a Duke football segment before, ever, football. And that's kind of what we're trying to do for tomorrow. I assume they have people to cover Duke football. Actually, they were really good last year. They're 4-0 and zero so far this season and host Notre Dame on Saturday night. Game day is going to Duke for the first time ever. Uh, and uh, for the first time that I can ever remember, I'm – planning and are hoping to do a segment on Duke football. And I know a little bit about them beforehand. How about that? All right. Also, thanks. Back to the thank you thing. So I got a little back sidetrack there. Uh, Town today, courtesy of Major League Baseball, ESPN, ABC, and Tex 105.3, the Rangers flagship in the Metroplex. Uh, special thanks, as always, to Kayla Corianair. All right. On to some Monday night football from last night. The Bengals avoided falling to 0-3. and three. Uh, Joe Burrow played. We kind of had an idea that was going to happen at this time yesterday when the betting market went uh, crazy in favor of the Bengals. Went from like two, two and a half to three everywhere. So we kind of had an idea, at least the betting market thought he was going to play, and he did. 26 of 49, not the greatest efficiency, but a season-high 259 yards through his uh, Threw an interception on his second throw, but they uh, rebounded and beat the Rams last night, 19-16. to They ended up holding on to win that game. Also a breakout game for Jamar Chase, 12 catches, 141 yards. Also nine different Bengals, <clears throat> excuse me, caught at least one pass. Chase's longest catch you heard at the top of the hour, a 43-yarder during the third quarter drive that gave them an opportunity. That was the third of four field goals that drive ended with uh, Evan McPherson making three out of four. A uh, third of it, th- three field goals out of his. Uh, he actually had four field goals in the game. I'll get this right. He missed one earlier in the game, uh, but uh, you know that was uh, Chase. Uh, Chase broke loose. Uh, Joe Mixon big touchdown run in the fourth quarter. That kind of gave them a healthy lead, and they needed that touchdown as it turns out. Meanwhile, the Eagles. Uh, never in danger of losing last night, in my opinion, uh, the 25-11 uh, win at Tampa. Uh, this was after you know, DeAndre Swift. You heard John McKechnie f- talk about him earlier in the hour. And uh, John, John's a Georgia fan. Uh, he, uh, you know, basically, last week, uh, Swift had a career-high 175 yards rushing, rushing. Last night, 130 on 16 attempts. And uh, he was good. Jalen Hurts, who was ill, played. And was 23 of 37 for 277 yards. And uh, he did have two picks, even though one was a tremendous play by the backup defensive corner uh, for Tampa because Tampa, by the end of the game, were without their two starting corners in that game. Uh, A.J. Brown took advantage of that, nine receptions for 131 yards for the Eagles. Uh, they won, They led at 25-3 at one time, and as I mentioned, I didn't really think at any point in that game last night that they were going to lose the game. Uh, so we'll see what uh, happens with the Eagles moving forward. 3-0, and zero, not playing that great, it doesn't appear to be. Uh, so we'll see if that changes. 
Meanwhile, quickly, a couple things from the wire. Saints head coach Dennis Allen did not rule out Derek Carr starting in week or playing in week four. Nobody else it seems to think, though, the insider is that he's going to be able to play college football. Uh, it's expected that the uh, you know, the recently agreed upon 12-team college football playoffs uh, format will continue uh, at least for one at least for the 2024 season. Uh, that's according to CBS Sports. Texas Tech quarterback and Valley product Tyler Shuck suffered a fractured fibula during the Red Raiders' 20-3 road loss at West Virginia. Yeah, he's expected to be undergo surgery today. Uh, so uh, apparently uh, he's got, according to uh, Joey McGuire, who's the Texas Tech coach, Shuck expected to miss six to eight weeks. That obviously puts him in jeopardy of missing the season. And then lastly here, uh, the Damian Lillard trade rumors, which we're still talking about here. I think need to, the training camp's actually open next week around the NBA. Let's get this done. Come on, Portland. Come on. You know, whatever needs to be done, get it done. Uh, talk in the last 24 hours that the Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks might be possible destinations for Damian Lillard. All right, that's it for today's Sports Zone. In our local morning programming for today, we'll be back tomorrow for three full hours of local programming. The Sports Zone from 9 to 10, and the Extra Point, of course, hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thank you very much for listening, and have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.